0: Hello, I'm TJ Barchek.
1: and I'm Casey Brazil,
0: and this is Work Friends. Work Friends is a podcast about business, entrepreneurship, and work. So we do two topics and some quick hits. Uh, for my first topic, the first topic today, I want to talk about uh, something that comes up in my workplace probably more than it should, but it's kind of millennial culture and kind of a lot of the cliches and things that go along with that. So. Uh, Right? There's a lot of, you know, millennials are entitled and millennials are lazy and they don't know the value of hard work and coming in early and staying late and all these sort of things. Is this something you've encountered at your uh, workplace?
1: So from an ad perspective and in terms of marketing, cohorts are really important to marketing just as a construct in general, right? Because if you're selling to someone in the same way you sell directly to someone and you can learn about that individual person, if I'm saying, well, this product is really more about millennials or it's more about the greatest generation or it's more about the generation coming after millennials, then any kind of generalizations you can make about that group and what they like can be very useful. I really have not encountered it, it doesn't sound like anywhere near as much as you have in terms of just people talking about oh, the older guys or the older women in the office versus the younger folks. I would imagine we're both millennials. I'm kind of more on the edge. Like, I'm a little yeah, bit older than we're, you. We're I'm
0: old for millennials, young for Gen X. <laughs> I'm, I'm fully in the millennial thing. You're kind of right in that cusp.
1: Yeah, I'm just like the – I'm about the oldest a millennial can be. I would – just listening to your setup, I would imagine there's a lot that you kind of bridle against – what about it do you find to be the most incorrect? Because that's that's interesting to me. Like I could imagine anything negative you don't like because it's associated with you. But what do you find to be the most incorrect about it?
0: Yeah, of course. I think the, one of the big pieces is exactly where you're coming from, in that um, depending on where you work, right? Marketing tends to be a little younger, a little yeah. more uh so you 're you have kind of a little bit of a strength in numbers, sales, especially in my kind of roles that i 've had uh i 've been very often the only millennial in those roles uh dealing with both boomers and Gen X kind of across the board um and, and you know just like in anything, whether it 's music and you know oh the music today is terrible, and then when you grow up and you're you 're the same old guy sitting on a porch yelling at the kids go <laughs> rolling down the street right. So I think there's a piece of that, right? Is no matter what we have that memory bias and that um, you know, we think our generation's the best, the way we did it is the correct way, all those sort of things. So I, I think the biggest misconception is that the way millennials approach work culture is incorrect or not as good, right, as the way it was done before. Just because that was the way it was done doesn't mean uh it can't be a different way. Uh I think the biggest thing that i I try and rally against, and there's there's definitely some truth to it, so i 'm not going i 'm not going to say it 's wrong, is that you know millennials are entitled right that they they feel like they should get promoted very quickly and that they uh, deserve to be a manager early in their careers and all these sort of things i think I think that's true I think as a whole, my generation tends to want to uh progress faster than you know, our our parents' generation is not okay with being in their role for five years and waiting for kind of the person ahead of them to retire or whatever it may be. Um, so that's, although it's true, um, I, I think there's a there's a piece of it that um, that whole wait your turn piece, uh, whether it's I don't know, so, you know, social, digital, you know, the way we grew up grow up is that. Go after what you want uh, and kind of charge after those things and i don't see that as a as a bad thing as much as I think um, some of the the older generations do
1: absolutely and i I always bridle at generational things in general, and it it often makes me kind of like the guy who peed in the punch at the party in many a uh, marketing meeting i've been in but i I think that we exaggerate the degree to which generations are different, and the real difference is the way people interact with the world that they're presented with, right? If people say, oh, well, you know, these 14-year-olds, they love Snapchat, and I didn't. Well, of course you didn't. You didn't have the, the opportunity to. Um, So tying this back to your idea of wanting to progress quickly, feeling like you deserve a promotion, not being as willing to wait your turn, I think there's a very compelling argument to be made that the workplace is fundamentally different now than it was in the 70s or the 80s, and even the, the workplace that there was post the kind of yuppie era, the speed with which you are expected to either move up in an organization or out continues to shrink and shrink and shrink. When I talk to my cohort, when I talk to people who are my age, and when I talk to people who are younger, the number of jobs they've already had by the time they're 30 is more than the number of jobs that my father had and he now is in his late 60s and has been working since he was, what, 18, you know? So I think in some ways if you are a young person who feels ambivalent about quote unquote paying your dues and waiting your turn, maybe it's because that's not the way the workplace works anymore. You either are stuck in a spot are moving up towards a better spot or you're on the chopping block and i have occupied all three of those positions i don't know do is that compelling to you do you think that makes sense
0: yeah absolutely and and i think the reason i wanted to bring it up is that obviously i'm biased so when i bring it up i always have that weird like I struggle with the way to to phrase it because um, I want to make sure it's not just coming from like I'm I'm entitled and this is why I think this way. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit of a catch twenty two. I mean, to your point, I'm twenty nine. I'm on professional job number eight in company number five. Totally. Fired no, no. It's yeah. It's 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 you know. There's better opportunities. I think our generation is less risk averse. Uh, stability isn't quite the the priority that it was. Um, also, I mean, it's just the, the, you know, the career, right? A lot of, you know, the jobs and, you know, working kind of the startup world, like acquisitions happen and things happen. Uh, it's the nature of the beast that you build something when that thing is built, you move on.
1: <laughs> That's- yeah, I know you have worked at at least two companies that got bought. I've worked at three companies that got bought. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's something that happens. I, not that consolidation is new, but we've both <laughs> been through that exact experience. Ab-
0: absolutely. And, I mean, four of my jobs were at one company where I was just doing startup. I do, it was a six-month kind of rotation thing. Build something when it's done. All right, what, what else is there to build? So I had four professional jobs at one company within kind of two and a half, three years. So, I mean, that, it's just the nature of the beast, right, it's, it, when you work in kind of the – creation entrepreneurial part of the business world uh you're gonna have a lot more jobs but i mean even if you're you know doing a marketing at an agency those people jump around all the time and as a hiring manager you recruit people like oh you have ties to Calogs, like we want you over here because we want to get Calogs. and building those networks actually encourages you to move a lot more than i think it used to and there's not the stigma that it used to be right if you saw someone on a resume Having nine jobs and or you know in nine years or whatever, uh, I used to look bad. I don't I don't think uh, managers look as poorly on it as they used to, but well, you kind of would be wise not to, right? Uh, and, and listen, in the workplace, you need the steady Eddies, right? Like you can't have a bunch of people that are looking for their next position. You need probably more than half your workforce to be like okay with where they are, uh, which is a tough thing to recruit and hire for, but. I want to bring it back to the millennial piece. So the entitlement piece on this saying, do you think our generation is in general more entitled or feel they deserve more without working for it than our parents' generation?
1: Briefly, no. Less briefly, I think that the culture is dominated by baby boomers and has been for a very long time. There's a reason that what we think of as classic rock comes from a certain point in time. A lot of the the people who are the decision makers who have the money and have had the money for a long time are of the same generation. So I think that when the generational tension was oh you guys are the establishment we're Gen X, we are against the establishment then there was no way to say oh those people feel entitled. But when Millennials were more okay with the establishment and they said okay well we want to occupy the establishment themselves the way to put that down was to say oh you're entitled you want my spot but you're not as old as me
0: yeah can you rephrase that in a shorter shorter I want to make sure I understand it sure
1: and poke holes in this if if you want my first point is no Millennials are not entitled my second point is the reason that they're thought of as entitled is because they're the ones who wanna push this generation that has kinda of had the ball for so long off the ball. Now these are all wide, wild generalizations, yeah. but because millennials are a little bit less anti-authority and a little bit more wanting to assume those positions of authority, they are seen as entitled, like grabbers, right. as opposed to seen as rebels, which is more the Gen X stereotype.
0: Right. No, I, I, think that's, I think that's a good point. We, we've talked about kind of the... I've, I've mentioned kind of my theory of generations in the past and those sort of things, but I had a conversation with my grandfather this past week, and I think this helps summarize it a little bit. It was about politics, but I, I wanted to kind of get at the meat of it. I asked the question of, if it would negatively hurt the community around you, but would help your family, would you do it? And I think most of our maybe not our parents, but definitely the boomer generation says yes to that, yeah. yes to that. Mm-hmm. And I think a majority of our generation, whether that's, like I said, social media or kind of television, just kind of being part of a... The the family, the nuclear family has lost its importance. The community as a whole has kind of become right the tribal mentality. We feel like we're kind of part of a bigger community than just the nuclear family. That's a big part of it in that we we want to... We want to progress. The career is more important than the family, mm. it, it, which is like our parent generation, stability, having a job, having a career, making money, getting that white picket fence was much more important. Our generation tends to buck those things for communal impact, for status, for, you know, right? We always talk about, you know, the generation being fame-obsessed. The the opposite side of that is our, our generation's obsessed with impact and importance and status and those sort of things, which two sides of, you know, the same coin, but a good and a bad side of that. So our generation, yes, entitled, but the side of entitled is we we want entitlement, right? We want to achieve. Uh, We want to have status, which I don't think past generations had as much importance on as comparatively to stability, making sure there's bread on the table type stuff.
1: I can agree with that, at least in part. I think that you're absolutely right that uh, there was a time when everything was thought of in an insular way. Like, who do you marry? How are they like us? Who do you marry? How do they further the interests of our family? And now we live in a little bit wider of a world. I would temper that by saying this is kind of a liberal view, and I think that at least 51% of the culture still doesn't think in terms of uh, the whole world. Or if they think of the whole world, they are thinking of the whole American white world, you know, and not like some kind of broader, more uh, worldwide thing. Uh, does, does that tie in?
0: Yeah, ab- yeah I, I mean, absolutely. I, I mean, there's a bunch of pieces. To, to your point of the generation's different, right? You didn't have to... Like, the amount of work our generation has to do to upkeep a home is is much less, right? There's food is easier to come by and, you know, convenience and all that sort of stuff. And there's the, – the the nuclear family isn't doesn't need to be as important because there are structures in place to make – that have made our lives easier, whether that's electricity or gadgets or whatever it may be. Um, yeah. I, I...
1: That's an interesting one because I think you're right in that, like – you know, uh, if you were poor in the 40s, you might be starving. And that's less of a thing now. But uh, if you have to work less hard, it's like less hard to achieve what? Because it's not like, certainly medicine didn't get cheaper, certainly like transport isn't getting cheaper. But you're absolutely right. The standard of living that we enjoy now, even, you know, across society, is very different from the standard of living that... Uh, certainly the baby boomers grew up in, if not the one that they lived through.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess, it, like I said, it comes back to that, you know, I, I hear the millennials are entitled, millennials are uh, lazy and all this sort of stuff. And sure, I'm sure uh, uh, you, that, that probably applies to a majority of our generation the same way it applied to majority of most generations uh, growing up. Um, especially on the kind of lazy part like yeah 20 some things are tend, tend to be a little lazy right <laughs> that's that's yeah exactly like that that's not uh particular to our generation so yeah it's 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 just interesting cuz I, I it seems to come up um in my field more than i expected it to and maybe that's is because kind of i'm uh fairly progressed for my age so i get i get i get a lot of that like you know, oh, I wish my nephew was more like you, type stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, I don't, know to, I don't know, like, I don't. There's no proper way to to do this. Like, so I've come to the like uh, feeling the need to defend millennials uh, <laughs> fairly often, saying, no, they're not. You know, they're not lazy. They're not entitled. They're just they're looking their, their value of what they how they value themselves is on impact and growth and progression not on stability kind of the way it used to be and i, I wonder if there's it, you know if i came up to you and said you know i how, why is this generation so messed up like how do you how do you answer that
1: i i don't know that there's a simple one all i can you know just trying to like get out of my own headspace and think about the person who writes the article about how terrible millennials are or reads it and says, yeah. I think, you know, in fairness to that person, it's very difficult to remember what it was like to be younger than you are. So in the same way that when I talk to my 15-year-old cousin or my 20-year-old cousin, and I think, what are your values? What are you worried about? The, the, The things you're talking about are so weird. I have to think, well, I'm biased by the fact that I'm 32 now and the things that I think are important are of course going to be different from what they think is important. So I I think that it's an empathy problem like so many problems. And when people are, you know, 55-year-old successful businessmen, that sounds like exactly who is telling this to you. You, I would imagine that those people are among the most career-focused, among the most ambitious, and they might look at Joe Average, and certainly Joe Average 20-year-old, and think, you know, working eight hours a day, working ten hours a day, but I spent my last two weekends here, you know? So I I think that, that a lot of it is just an empathy problem. Do Do you have any... Do you do you have anything you want to put a button on this? I'm sure we're going to come back to this many times. No, I mean we can
0: we can we can end it there. Um, there's there's a great theory about of, of generations in that if you're kind of family like communal focused versus individual focused, and then um, kind of the way you get there. Um, so when people talk about you, know, this is the worst generation of all time. Uh, there's a great theory, and I can I can link to it the show notes, that says basically every fourth generation is what's known as the greatest generation. So we had the, we had the greatest generation. We mm-hmm. had the silent generation. We had the boomers. We have X. And because of the way those um, cycles repeat, there's a good chance we don't have any presidents from Gen X. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it's going to end up kind of working is we're going to have a bunch of boomers. Like we're having right now, mm-hmm. we're having really old boomers. And there's going to end up being a millennial kind of jump. Mm-hmm. Um, And the same thing happened. We didn't have any presence from the silent generation. We went straight from greatest to boomers, and then kind of went straight Mm -hmm. through. Uh, Because greatest and boomers tend to be entitled, if you want to call it that, and uh, achievers, and kind of that sort of thing. While uh, silent generation, Gen X, tend to be more of your philosophers, and your writers, and your artists, and those sort of things. So um, the difference between boomers and the greatest generation was the greatest generation was community-focused. The boomers were individual-focused. If that cycle repeats, we will have an outward, an optimistically outward, community-focused generation of millennials. That doesn't jive with the lazy entitlement stuff, but the optimist in me says we will have a generation that is community-focused, and not in a selfish, individualistic way, but in a way of action-oriented people that want to make society better. Mm-hmm. Whether they actually do or not is a different question, but that <laughs> they'll try, right? Yeah. That, that it's, all, it's more about the effort than it is about the action.
1: For our second topic today, I wanted to dig in a little bit to the idea of non-monetary rewards for work. Working from home, working on kind of a flexible, non-traditional schedule. I've been thinking a lot about the gains you get just from being in a community of workers and how there are these things that we kind of take for granted about working in a group and having a lot of people kind of pulling in the same direction. There's something kind of evolutionary about people that they are, in a way, built for work you know in in the sense that if you for generation upon generation spend all day trying to like find the food bring the food back there's a way in which the mind is best served by taking on these challenges and taking them on in small groups i think there's there's a funny way in which we all imagine what we want is free time, to be on the beach, but that the, the brain is like a, a machine that wants to do more things rather than less. So to kind of create an example for what this idea is, I think something that's so seductive about video games is not that you're doing nothing, but that you're doing something that's like a more perfect stand in for what we want our work to be
0: there's set goals there's set goals set achievements stage gates levels whatever you want to call it that are clearly defined and less ambiguous than the workplace
1: absolutely and there's progress so not only do you have goals but you know that once you beat the water level you get to go on to the ice level you know once you accomplish a thing there's a new thing to go on to, and there's a, there's a logic in it in the way that we go from thing to thing to thing. I think there's a funny way in which our hobbies and the things that we do for fun are like kind of like a fake work. Do you have any of these kinds of hobbies? Do you do anything where you feel like, this is like a job that I don't get paid for.
0: <laughs> Does having a kid count? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, think, I, think, I think you're exactly right. And I think, I mean, look at, look at television right now, right? There's this weird trend towards um, defined series, right? Where we know it's going to be five seasons or we know where the end point is. Uh-huh. Same thing with video games, right? We know if I keep beating levels, I, I win. I beat the game. Mm-hmm. I don't think work really has that. Right, sports have that, right? We win the championship. Mm-hmm. We the goal is to get to here. I'm going to train for a marathon. I will run that marathon. I will learn to cook, and I will impress my friends. That is the goal. Uh, with work, right? It's a, there's no endpoint. Uh, very rarely is there an endpoint. I mean, right? There's little little you know, uh, you know. I gain distribution for our product at grocery store X or whatever. Like right, there's there's things like that, or I made a sale or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it's 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 I mean, I definitely I don't know. I don't want to say gamify, but like work is a um if I wasn't getting paid to work, I we both have said this before, we would find things that were fulfilling for different reasons.
1: Absolutely. So I want to jump back to that idea of you never beat the game in work. Like you never win a level. like if you get a sale or a promotion or a big thing, like, the truth is, if you get a big job or you make a big sale, it's almost like immediately upon your success, there's a new bunch of work associated with that. You know, like they, in that uh, Art Williams speech that you, that you showed me, which is so great, it, there's this point where he's saying, you know, you're having a tough time. Well, it's time for you to do it. You know, you're working and you can't get help from your boss. Well, you better really do it now you got a big job and you're a manager well you better do it twice as hard and that's absolutely the truth you know
0: terrifying
1: (laughs) yeah and like it's not that there's not breaks or weekends and those things aren't possible but there's a funny way in which uh there's no championship of work unless you think of unless you're one of these people who wants to retire early and you're like as soon as i make my million then i'm out you know or whatever but And I, such people exist. But I think for most of the people who think for my entire adult life I will work, there's no beating the game. And that's why we create these kind of fake works.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, Max Weber, a philosopher, not philosopher, sociologist, I guess, a famous sociologist, uh, would argue the the kind of achievement is almost the third tertiary kind of uh, goal of working right and like money and survival so much of what we do is is kind of that status and the way we define ourselves not not status like externally but almost internally so even if you're one of those people who i'm gonna make my million and sit on the beach you want to be known as that dude who like retired early and sat on a beach and you want to be that guy that reads you know sleeps in late and reads a book on the beach every day and that's how you define yourself, and that's that's the importance. If you want to achieve and you want to become a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, that's because that's that's how you um, internalize your ego, and that's how you do all that sort of stuff. So regardless of if it's work, if it's sport, if it's family, if it's money, whatever it may be, um, the, the non-monetary benefits of work are the same as the non-monetary benefits of – you know social activities or you know hobbies or whatever family, whatever it may be it 's about internalizing ego, but like it's about defining yourself and feeling like you're uh you have an identity and you 're defining that identity uh, which is because the scariest thing is to not have an identity and that 's mm. like ego wise is way more frightening than being broke
1: yeah i I think so you there there's an important distinction that you started to make about like what you enjoy about your social life versus what you enjoy about your work life. I find myself drawn to hobbies like having a podcast, being in a band, in part because if I go out and have a beer with my buddies and I have a good time and then I go to bed, at the end of that, there's not a thing that was produced. To me, spending that same time with my band, working on a song, even if that song never gets big even if it doesn't achieve like a money gaining goal or something there there's a reason I'm drawn to those work life work like social things because that sense of and maybe it's identity yeah. like you say or maybe it's achievement it that, that is so valuable to me that like yeah that you know maybe maybe you're maybe you hit on it when you said identity there's this thing about work that's very different from, you know, spending a weekend canoeing with my buddies where when I'm done I feel like we got that product into Walmart or whatever it was. Sure.
0: So let me let me push on that a little bit. So you're kind of harping on creation, right? The the what what you value is uh having something not necessarily tangible, but having something created that you were a part of you created an impact or a, 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 a something you know tangible or not. Is that about legacy? Is that about fulfillment at the moment or historically? Are you, right, it, are you, are you creating those things because you know you will look back finally upon them later or are you creating them because in the moment that hard work is fulfilling?
1: I guess I don't know, right? But I I think that, you know, anything where you've created something that there's pride associated with, you know, that pride is immediate, but that pride it also pays off over a longer term. The other thing I would say about it is, um, is it is it doesn't actually, it doesn't just have to be a thing. You're right. When you push back and said, like, you're focused on a thing, no, it could be like when you're, when I used to work as a purchaser, right? Uh, everything you buy, if you're buying it right, gets used up, and then next week you buy new stuff, right? But you still get that sense of accomplishment because you're helping this team and 100 people were putting your uh, your trays in your boxes and making the cookie with your uh, flour and your sugar.
0: Sure. And I guess because I have this conversation all the time uh, about, whether you're doing things for the actual feeling in the moment or because of the memory of that thing. Think about um, those tough mudder runs, right? Those miserable things where you run through mud and get electrocuted and (laughs) come out, like, bleeding and all this sort of stuff. Anyone who says they're having a good time in those is lying. They're they're just lying. There's there's zero chance those are fun. But they look back fondly upon them because they overcame adversity and they formed a team and they helped each other out and all those sort of things. Same thing, like, when I go on vacation, I want to do as much stuff as possible. I want to go hiking. I want to go to, you know, the bars. I want to go explore the city. I want to go wherever that city has, right? If it's, you know, Vegas, I want to see every every show I can. And, like, you're you're so wore out, you're not even enjoying those things by halfway mm-hmm. through them. Um, but, like, I want to know that when I get back from that vacation, I was like, I, I did as much as I could. I saw all these amazing things. I did all these amazing things. And that that memory and looking back fondly on that will actually benefit me more than the best vacation, which would just be kind of sitting on a beach reading a book, which I wouldn't look as fondly upon. The same way you're talking about creation, canoeing versus kind of, you know, working on a song with your band, those sort of things like looking the memory of it is so much more important than the actual feeling at the time, which is a weird thing to accept.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. And you've. You've posed this to me before, and I I, I have like a guarded agreement, like, meh, maybe. I, I think also there's a piece of it that's like what we get out of work in a non-monetary way, which is just this sense of, I'm not a lazy dude who just doesn't do nothing. I, when I went to Vegas, I did all the things, even though it's not like... At the end of your trip, you put on your you know, resume, I saw Circus Circus and these <laughs> 10 other shows. But you, as a person, you feel like I get things done. And, and that feeling of accomplishment, that feeling of pride, that drive, that, that matters. And, that, and I think that for people with our type of personality, and certainly anyone who works, in, I would imagine other people who work in startups and are entrepreneurs, are cut from a similar cloth that is something that that you value
0: yeah and it's it's it, i mean we can bring it bring it back to the non monetary work stuff, but I, like i said I, the number one by a mile to me is is a sense of a sense of identity, a sense of purpose, a sense of uh, like i said not being lazy and the social pressures that kind of come with that and just kind of belonging and being part of a community, whether that's you know I am part of this team, right? And that's how, that's, even if you don't define yourself that way, that's incredibly helpful to your kind of sense of being and all that sort of stuff. Beyond that, I mean, there's a ton, right? There's there's a ton, like, the value of routine. We've talked about this a million yeah, times. Yeah. And as you working from home, it's become a more, more and more thing you can talk about it here. But, like, just like having, like, a nine to five is so much more fulfilling than having, like, you know, when you're, working like, you know, when I was in high school working weird jobs, where we were working like three hours every other day. Yes. There's no there's no sense of kind of being to that.
1: I think that's totally right. And I'll throw in a weird thing. When I think of the non-monetary gains from work, really, and I'm sure other people have a different experience and that's fine, but in my own life, very little of my social life has ever come from work or my work friends. The non-monetary gains are more things like that. Like, this routine propelled me to live my life more in the way that I wish to live my life. And less about like, oh, that's where I met, you know, the woman I married. No, it's not. That's not how I met the woman I married. It's not how I met most of the people I hang out with. TJ and I are more the exception to the rule. Is is that your social experience as well?
0: I have. I I think you're the only friend I regularly hang out with uh, that I've met from a work situation. I have other friends, like, from work, but I usually knew them actually before I worked with them uh, for the most part, but... Yeah. A hundred percent. It's not a, it's not a social thing for me. I actually purposely keep those two things separate as much as possible. Um, we didn't hang out that much when we actually worked together. We kind of, we kind of started hanging out after we stopped working together. And that wasn't by accident on my part. Um, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. So one is routine one as we kind of identified as identity. Another that I think is kind of a a sneaky one that you don't think about, especially when you are a yuppie or someone who has a nine-to-five job. But, like, in a weird way, when you, let's say you work, out you live a little bit outside the middle of town and then you work downtown, there's a way in which the city and the culture is kind of built for you, you know? So that's when the buses run. That's when the shows are. That's when prime time is, you know? You there there's a way in which when you are a working person you get access to the kind of top level of culture in a way that if you don't work normal hours well during your free time the tv is soap operas during your free time the people you have access to are the people who maybe couldn't get a job there there's a there's a benefit that's kind of access to this I don't know, I want to say, like, this top culture, this this uh, this main culture that's, that's nice to have access to, especially in our more and more disparate world.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, probably about half my friends are kind of in the service restaurant industry. I have a lot of, like, chef friends and that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I can't tell you, like, Monday night's the night I dread because that's when, like, all my friends hang out and, like... <laughs> Go get drunk, and I'm like, I can't tell you how many times. Like, if I come into work hungover, it's not Friday; it's Tuesday. That's that's the day I come in hungover, and like, no one really expects it because you don't think about it. But like, that's the night that all my friends go out is Monday night, and it's just, it's, and we record this on a Tuesday afternoon for everyone who doesn't who doesn't know. But like, yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird world. Um, if you don't if you don't have that that kind of nine to five, and like I said, just just you know, you you want to go see you know a a play or something like good luck you're you're working nights like this is not gonna happen
1: totally i yeah and i i think it's it's not a small thing and i'm and it's not a total one-way street like sometimes it's nice to do things when other people don't sometimes it's nice to be driving when it's not rush hour but there is there there's a there's a top culture in that way So for quick hits, I kind of wanted to pick a weird one. Um, Something that's been in the news a bunch and will be in the news until we die uh, is performance enhancing drugs and in terms of sports. So right now the Russian Olympic team, who's going to qualify, who's not, it's kind of all up in the air around this issue of who cheated and who didn't for performance enhancing drugs. I think there's a funny way in which people who are not in the working world don't think about the ways in which they medicate themselves <laughs> for their work and it's extremely common. Um, so I would take the adva- the example of the list of great authors who were alcoholics is like that's like 90% of the great authors. There's a lot of them out there. Um, and there's ways in which we use different things to help ourselves. I I need coffee. Coffee helps me work so much. And I I absolutely use it. And this is something that we've talked about in the past. I'm more likely to drink coffee in the afternoon than in the morning because if I have a meeting, if I have to have a good attitude around people, uh, it's much easier for me to do that when i got a full tank first thing in the morning than it is about 3. but do you ever think about coffee in terms of like something that is a drug for work?
0: All the time. So I've I've gone down this rabbit hole. I've taken a bunch of supplements. I've done I've done some weird stuff on this because for me, I mean, it's it's like I said, people don't think about it. The brain's a muscle, right? Like you can train it to do certain things. You can, if your body is uh, healthily charged and you've had a good meal and you've you know are, are had good sleep and all these things, your mind will work better. That's not crazy, that's, that's yeah. kind of basic, basic thought. So, uh, coffee's, coffee's interesting. I mean, I didn't really start drinking coffee till probably like five, six years ago, actually. So, made it through like kind of mid-twenties, avoiding caffeine at all costs. I didn't have mm-hmm. a, a, a soda probably till I was like 22. Crazy. Um, uh, I, would like had them, but like didn't drink them on a regular basis or, you know, mm-hmm. would have caffeine two, three times a week max, uh, until probably I was like 22, 23. Didn't start drinking coffee till I was like 24, 25, um, like I said now at work uh, it's, it's probably two cups a day mostly in the morning one in the afternoon if I need it due to struggling meeting whatever kind of purpose it's, defi- it's obviously a, 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 a performance enhancer so I guess the question I would throw back to you is if I could tell you tomorrow you could quit drinking coffee and have no kind of withdrawal from it would you do it?
1: absolutely not it 's fantastic it 's an important part of my life, and I think that the health benefits are more important than the health drawbacks uh, but I, I let me let me put this question to you now, and I, I also want to hear yeah. if you would like to kick the coffee habit or not, but uh, have you ever tried I know that i 've worked with people who have taken like B vitamins like b twelve in the morning to for for more for more energy. Have you, I have not done that. Have you used that? Is it effective?
0: Yeah. So, uh, start with caffeine. I would, I would absolutely do it to go back. I, I, I don't think the, I mean, I, I know enough Mormons that like, I, I, it just seems like it works. <laughs> like, it just seems like they are high functioning for longer periods of time, uh, as comparatively to the wave you kind of get with coffee and you get to get back, get back to, you. don't buy
1: it.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah. uh, uh in general, I just, I just like testing things. So, yeah, in high school, I took a bunch of B6, B12, kind of on a semi-regular basis. Um, and this was before energy drinks existed and all this sort of stuff. I remember when energy drinks kind of like – and 5-Hour uh, Energy came out, and uh, it was all kind of B6, B12, a bunch of other kind of stuff. But I was like, I've been doing this. I've been taking kind of 5-Hour Energy – like in a pill form for years at that point uh-huh. not on a regular basis but more of like stupid kid trying to like cheat the system almost like ooh, what what kind of like hack can i do and this sort of things i i don't do it i i take a multivitamin every day if i miss that multivitamin i know it like my body <laughs> like i will get to like 11 a.m and be like something's off like something's weird um yeah b6 b12 uh i've i've done a few of the different like uh, alpha brain type of, um, they just have a bunch of kind of memory enhancer, ginkgo bilobas, blah, 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 blah.
1: Is there any of those that you like or swear by, or do you feel like you yeah. can't tell the difference?
0: No, you can tell the difference. You can absolutely tell the difference. One um, A great one I really, really like is called 5-HTP. Um, it's basically a, a dopamine uh, uh, reuptake inhibitor so your, your brain cells, can't, I'm acting things out with my hands. So your brain cells uh, flood with dopamine and kind of the, the feel-good chemicals, right, when you, whenever you encounter something that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of that uh, chemical is kind of reabsorbed by the initial brain cell. Mm-hmm. There are things out there like 5-HTP, which block, this is what antidepressants are, um, yeah. block the reuptake of that so it stays kind of in that synapse. Uh, and if you do those things, you will – it's basically an antidepressant. You will feel great all day. You will also – it's a little bit like Adderall in the fact of uh, it's really hard to multitask. It's really because you are you are kind of zoned in wherever you – so whenever you hear people talk about, you know, antidepressants kind of turn me into a zombie, because what, what they do is they kind of help you be present and focus on whatever you're doing. Same thing with Adderall and these sort of, all this sort of stuff. Uh, it really just – It it, it gets you absorbed in wherever you're in so that you're not, you know, in the back of your head thinking about bad stuff. You're also not listening to your, you know, spouse talk about whatever they're talking about.
1: So what are you using now or what have you been using most recently?
0: So, yeah, like I said, uh, multivitamin, obviously coffee, um, those sort of things. I have 5-HTP in my closet right now. I have –
1: It's like a just-in-case.
0: Yep. They're all kind of just-in-case type things. Uh, any of those sort of chemicals you, you wouldn't want to take on a daily basis, and this is kind of one of my hang-ups on antidepressants, because you, you develop a tolerance. Same thing as coffee, right? So coffee doesn't work for you the way it did when you were 10 years ago, right?
1: Yep. That's absolutely correct. I mean, certainly I, I do have a tolerance for coffee, and sometimes I, I wean back, but only because I want it to hit me that much harder <laughs> yeah. later. So that that's a, that's a an that's an interesting uh... take on that stuff are you are you ever worried about you know uh, we should say as a caveat we are not doctors <laughs> that we're talking about our own personal experience and you should if you're looking to use a supplement or whatever you should consult a medical professional and not a podcast you idiot <laughs> what has been your process of discovery because i've been kind of I. For, I'll, I'll say about multivitamins, for example, I'm very suspicious of the effect of multivitamins being having any kind of serious effect on you. I've, I've looked at a lot of the research on it, and it seems like it's hard to track what the effects are. But then again, it, it's the kind of thing where if if you have some deficiency that you don't know about, then maybe that's something good for you. Or... By the same token, if it's purely placebo effect, well, listen, that still works. I mean, it doesn't matter why you're getting the effect if you're getting an effect. Um, So uh, when do you use uh, this, what's it called, 5-HTP? 5-HTP,
0: yeah. So mostly in the morning, Uh, especially if you're hungover or something like that, where you're kind of just like, you know, not fully into it. It's a good way to just kind of like help focus. Same way people take Adderall, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's a different effect. It's a mood enhancer versus a kind of focus enhancer. Um, but I'd rather have a mood enhancer. So we, we, can, we can preface a bunch of this stuff. So A, all this stuff is over the counter. Um, but yes, do research, uh, absolutely. My entire family, everyone in my direct family, my sister, both my parents, all my grandparents, are all on antidepressants. I'm literally the only one in kind of my nuclear family, not on antidepressants. So, I'm probably more open to mood enhancers than I think most people are, right? Because uh, it's had a great effect on them. Like, they, they, you know, they call it depressed, call it whatever. They they are, I, outwardly, they seem happier to me. Yeah. And they are more active, and they are more present, and they are a bunch of different things. Yes, there is a little bit of that, that kind of zombie side effect that anyone kind of sees when they're around antidepressants. But... Um having a better diet is an antidepressant right mm-hmm. there, there's there's have you know there's over the counter things b six b twelve beta blockers all these sort of things uh they're they're antidepressants in not a pill form a lot of gotcha. times
1: um i have i have i have mute, I have musician friends that use beta blockers when they are going to perform and they're worried about anxiety. Uh, is that something you've ever experimented with or tried for, like, a presentation or anything like that?
0: Yeah, in college, um, I went to a poli program, and a lot of it was kind of uh, debates and kind of sort of uh, presentations and policy-type stuff where you'd get up and give a lecture about whatever Um I tried it. I used it a little bit in college just to kind of, because it was the cool thing to do. Like I had friends that were doing it and like, oh, let's try this. Uh, I don't use them anymore. (laughs) Anyone who knows me, I do not have a a problem with talking (laughs) and being in front of crowds and that sort of stuff. I've never had um, anxiety, right? The the anti-anxiety medications. I've never had anxiety.
1: Yeah, I'm very much the same way. I I feel like I really feed off of the... Pressure, stress, whatever of performing live, I have the type of personality that 's m- more attracted to things that make you excited than things that calm you down uh, it 's funny though because i i 've never used Adderall or cocaine or any of or speed or any of those because they seem like they would be very seductive to me because I have the personality type that really likes that bit of extra energy, extra get up and go. And I, I've avoided those things precisely because I think I would like them. Um, I, uh, I drink a lot of coffee and I know how much I like that so I don't want to like anything more than I like that because yeah. it could be life uh, <laughs> altering.
0: Yeah, and we we can keep illegal drug conversation to a minimum on a public podcast. But no, same same thing for me. I never enjoyed smoking marijuana because I'm I'm too up a person. I don't want to be brought down. Uh same thing. Uh the the uppers are are incredibly seductive for for obvious reasons
1: even alcohol to me which is a depressant and people forget that uh it while I'll have a beer now and again and I I really like beer and I I'll definitely go out drinking on a weekend but if I had to choose between coffee and alcohol I would choose coffee in a heartbeat um and I think it's it's partially the same thing because to get you know relaxed is not that hard for me
0: yeah now I well that's that's interesting so you're saying – because I'm actually the opposite. I, I'm, 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 I'm a very up person. I have a very hard time relaxing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm not chill. <laughs> I'm a very, very rarely chill person. Uh, you say you're an up person, but you have, no. do not have a time. Ton- oh, you, you saying you're relaxed? Okay, got. Gotcha. I
1: think it's funny because I think we, we have the same taste in mood altering <laughs> substances, but for opposite reasons. Because like I pretty chill i think i mean i don't know you can you can disagree (laughs) i'm pretty chill but i i think that i i don't want to particularly be that much more chill than i already am not that i don't enjoy a beer now and again i just uh i i like the get up and get stuff done stuff more because that's it's harder for me to put Myself in that frame of mind.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because obviously, uh, you know, a lot of my friends smoke weed and will do it to chill out or to go to sleep or to kind of bring themselves down or whatever it may be. I it's weird because I I don't know (laughs) I need to chill out more. I do, but I don't want to. But I don't want (laughs) to. I don't want to. I don't want. I I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it when I'm when I'm sick and on the couch and like unable to do things like that. That's the worst feeling in the world. I just get fidgety and I get really. And I'm not, I'm not ADD. I'm not, I'm not, like, I'm able to focus. I just I want to be doing things. Um, yeah, so I don't know.
1: This is kind of morphed into a third topic and less of a quick hit, but I think I have, like, a quick hit type question. So we've talked about using coffee for work and some of the supplements, but I, I wanted to kind of close it with this question. Do you, have you ever used alcohol for work, and has it ever been helpful to you?
0: Ooh, Um. I mean, in, in a networking fashion, right? Like, mm-hmm. to loosen up somebody, to get a – oh, my God. Like, if I – well, especially bosses, managers. Um, whenever I have a manager meeting, I always request it to be at 4 p.m. That's whenever I – A, because, you know, we, you can always walk away from it. You don't have to kind of go back. Uh, but B, it'd be like, hey, it's 4 p.m. You want to just go downstairs and have the meeting down at the bar? awesome because even like one or two drinks in a manager they will be so much more upfront and so much more honest with you because and i've been on the manager side is that you you you're 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 always a little bit coded you're always a little bit like what do i tell them does that match with what you know the business goals are what i want them to achieve and you're it's it's so frustrating on a bunch of different levels i want them to be as open as possible um never personally as like a I need to go into a meeting and I need to be looser or something.
1: I I think that that's a very smart way to use it. Something that I hear a lot and I talk to people about and they say well I can be really self-conscious about my work and to be a little bit more creative sometimes it helps for me to have a glass of wine before I start or be just a little bit tipsy when I'm trying to write something. I have found that to almost never be the case. Maybe once or twice used it. I can't do it with any kind of systematic way. I think In part, that may have to do with being like you, a morning person who probably my writing isn't that good at six (laughs) o'clock anyway. But uh, I'm very much the same way. When I might use it for some kind of a networking thing, I might use it because I, man, I don't know how I'm gonna relax tonight because I really my head is still there. You know, I'll have the occasional beer after work, but for the most part, no. Booze is just for fun. Well,
0: it's interesting It's interesting because, uh, as I was obviously thinking more in, like a sales guy, and like, there's the the social aspect is what's important. From what you're talking about is obviously something that's really really prevalent in any creative media, whether it's writing, whether it's musicians. I have friends that work at ad ag- agencies that will have you know like 6 p.m. stoner sessions and like work on creative, and that's what they do. And this is this is very very normal in the industry, and it's kind of like idea generation, like trying to break out of your own box and your own kind of mental way of thinking. So if that's, you know, the old, you know, the Mad Men stuff of LSD and all that sort of stuff, like, spark, you know, a new idea that you wouldn't have thought of without those things. But the same thing for me is I've tried doing that sort of creativity. I, A, get too much in my own head, and the ideas I have are complete terrible crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, I've never had good success with the the creative part of, performance enhancers.
1: Yeah, I think that there's really, there's a lot of hocus pocus. And I think that the way people think about drugs, we often imbue them with more than they have. And if I've ever gotten an extra creative spark or a little bit less self-conscious because I've had a couple drinks before I write something, I think it's a little bit Dumbo's feather. You know, it's a little bit, I decide that this is what it does. And so I made it do that. But You know, if that works, it works. Thanks so much. If you like the show, please tell your friends. Share the podcast on your social media. We'd love to reach more people. Write us a review on iTunes. That helps people find the show. And if you like the show and you want to support us, if you could go to workfriendspodcast.com, find our Amazon links. There's an Amazon link on every page. If you go through that link and make any of the purchases you would make on Amazon normally, we'll get a little percentage uh, from that, and that helps us pay for the website, the hosting, the microphones, all of that. So anything you can do there, much appreciated. Thanks again so much.
0: Thanks, everyone.